If you want to participate, contact me at ordinarywomenpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure you have great projects to brag about. You can also follow me and message me on Instagram at ordinarywomenpodcast, on Twitter at ordinarywomenpc, or on Facebook on the page Ordinary Women. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Ordinary Women. Hi, Lynn, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Lucy? I'm very good, thank you. Very excited to have you here today. Can you start by giving us a quick introduction of yourself, please? Sure. Uh, my name is Lynn. I am an Asian Canadian who is currently living in Germany. So it kind of makes things a little bit confusing. Um, I have a uh, corporate background, but four years ago, I put all of that behind me. I decided to leave my corporate life um, and find myself. Uh, and so, you know, four years later, I am now a transformational coach and intuitive eating counselor. Um, and yeah, so like I mentioned, I'm based in Berlin, Germany. Um, but I am currently in Toronto for a wee staycation, workcation. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Sounds amazing. When did you move to Germany? Um, I moved to Germany about eight and a half years ago. Um, it started off as a very, it was supposed to be a year long adventure. I wanted to live in Europe, um, and decided that Germany was going to be it because someone had told me that Berlin was amazing and that, um, you know, they spoke English there and I was just like, yeah, cool. That like, you know, that fits all my criteria. So I moved there. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a job. I didn't know a lick of German, um, but decided to just do it and see what happened. And eight and a half years later, I'm still there. Wow. That sounds amazing. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. And can you tell us something unusual about yourself? Something unusual about myself. So for a couple of years when I was still living in Toronto, so this was about like 10, 10 12 years ago, um, I was kind of living a double life. So like during the day I was working in the finance industry um, and at nighttime I was a burlesque dancer. So it was as different as you could possibly get. Um, and it was kind of awesome. It was kind of like I was leading this kind of like boring um, nine to five life. And then at nighttime, it was very glamorous, you know, with like feather boas and sparkles and sequins and high heels. And um, and it was wonderful. And I think uh, for a long time, I kind of tried to keep that side of my life secret because, um, you know, it was kind of like a little bit naughty. But uh, yeah, that's, I think, an interesting tidbit about me that not a lot of people know. That's awesome. You're the first uh, burlesque dancer I'm, I'm like meet. That's so cool. How did you start to dance? Yeah, so I have always wanted to do dance lessons. Um, when I was a kid, like my parents like didn't have it even in their on their radar that, you know, that they should put their kids into like extracurricular activities. So I grew up with like just focusing on school and like helping out at my parents restaurant. And then so when I got older, I realized that I needed to have a form of expression and I really loved movement. Like I really loved working out. I loved going to boxing and doing yoga, but I wanted to pursue other forms of movement. And I started doing dance classes. So I started doing like all the dance classes that I had wanted to do when I was younger, um, was a young kid. So I was doing contemporary and like, you know, a little bit of jazz some ballet and You know, and I was watching all of these dancing shows on TV and I was just like, yes, I'm going to be one of those. But dance is so hard. Like, it's so disciplined yeah. and like, I can't focus 
why like you know parents start their kids really really young um but through all of these different forms of movement i realized that i liked the sensual movements like i like the sexy kind of like speaking with my body um uh in a different way than you know than what we see on tv kind of thing um and so i started doing like pole dancing classes and i started doing like burlesque classes and i found um a professional burlesque performer in toronto who was doing classes and i started like doing her classes regularly and then at one point she asked me if i wanted to become one of her like backup dancers and i was like yes please and then it kind of like snowballed from there so that's how i got into burlesque awesome this is so cool did you ever tell any of your coworkers or anyone in your life um, there? Yeah. um i only told a handful of people like my closest um like the people I was closest to, like the people who I was actually friends with. Um, but like in terms of like my boss and like, you know, the colleagues who were, uh, who I wasn't so close to, no, I wouldn't, I didn't say anything to them because I was, I don't know, I was always afraid that they would judge me. Uh, but then, I don't know, it was something that I was like really proud of doing. So looking back, I'm kind of like, I kind of wish I had told people because I, it was like me hiding a part of myself, um, which, you know, I think is a bit of a shame, right? Like I fully endorse, you know, showing as much of yourself as possible to the world because I think the world needs it. But um, yeah, but that's something that I've learned kind of like along the way to be more authentic. So that's so interesting. That's so cool. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing. And as obviously here we talk a lot about being a woman, um, I like to start by asking, was there a moment in your life when you realized that you are a woman? Ooh. That is such a, that's a very open question. Like, wh like, you know, there are so many different phases, like there are different parts of our lives where we're reminded of the fact that we are different from, right? Like that we're different from men. Like, so, you know, I'm thinking obviously like the first time I got my period, for example, or like even like leading up that time leading up to getting my first period and being like, oh yes, this makes me a woman. I think that would be probably the first example. But I think um, when I got into burlesque, that was another time when I was really like, ah, this, this is what it means to be a woman because I think I finally felt like I was coming into my femininity a bit more and coming into my sexuality a bit more. Um, so yeah, I would say that those two points in my life were um pivotal moments where like you know there's a biological aspect of being a woman but then um there's like also like i don't know the other aspect of like actually fully being like i don't know it just felt like i was like finally like like this is this is being a woman like i think it, for me it has a lot to do with like sexuality as well um and burlesque allowed me to kind of explore that way explore that aspect of it yeah like embracing um yourself in a way yeah it, like it, it also like being able to experiment and like to kind of like you know like move my body like what can my body do like um you know how can i incorporate what you know, the different kinds of movement that i've had before like in terms of yoga and stuff um how can i incorporate that into like you know performing and like um expressing myself in a way that you know, when you're in front of an audience, right? Like you want to entertain, you want to entice, you want to like make them desire you or like aspire to be you, you know? So 
it was, um, I think the experimentation for me was, uh, was really important in me fully coming into myself as a woman. That's so cool. So great. Mm. And did you grow up with any female role model? Um, yeah, I definitely did. I mean, like, my female role model, like, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, and the first person who comes up for me is my mom, right? Like, my mom is, like, um, is the person who showed me, like, what hard work looks like, you know? Like, she's had some tough times. Like, you know, we grew up um, as an immigrant family in small-town Ontario, Canada, Uh, my parents were refugees of the Vietnam War. Um, they ended up in a refugee camp in Hong Kong, which is about the same time that I was born. Um, and so, you know, they made their way to Canada eventually. And my mom had to take care of two kids, you know, and work a job, um, you know, put food on the table, make money and all that stuff. Uh, she didn't have time to learn English. Like, you know, she had to like stay home and take care of the kids where my dad was, like, you know, he was... He was the one who got to go to school and like, you know, learn the English language and learn to drive. And, you know, it was like a separation of duties kind of thing. Um, and so like even to this day, like my parents own a restaurant and like my mom is still like the, the hardest working woman that I know for sure. Like she'll get up at like eight in the morning and she will get home at like, I don't know, like nine or 10 at night you know, after a full day at the restaurant of prepping and like cooking and like cleaning and doing all of that stuff that, you know, restaurant owners have to do. Um, and I just, I'm just so amazed, you know, and like, but now, like now that I know, you know, a bit about like psychology and, you know, I'm in the, in the wellness industry now, like I see her as an example of like generational trauma and, you know, like uh, what happens when you can't stop. And, you know, like, I don't know, like it just, Like she's just she's just so amazing to me but like I also want to like teach her how to unlearn all of that like you know it's like mom you don't need to work so hard you know you're 60 now you don't have to work so hard you can actually stop and rest um so I think I get a lot of my work ethic from her um like she was my she was my role model she was like the one who like you know even even during tough times like she would just like she would just get on with it just do it and like you know at the end of the day, she could just finally like sit down and relax and be with her family. Um, but even then, it wasn't just like relaxing, like it was her like still taking care of us. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, 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 that makes like that. Yeah. And do your parents know that you're doing burlesque? I guess that's not like the expected. <laughs> No, <laughs> I mean, my mom, my mom did. Um, I think at one point, uh, my sister showed her a video and mom was just like, oh my gosh, like, Lynn, what are you doing? But like, she didn't like, she didn't reject me, right? Like she didn't like disown me and tell me not to ever do it again. I think that she appreciated the fact that like, this was a form of, of expression for me. Um, so yeah, like my parents are cool that way. I don't think my dad ever knew. I would never tell my dad like that. That would be weird on like multiple levels <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah yeah i don't need my dad to know that i'm like you know like twirling my my titties and <laughs> shaking yeah. my head of like a full full uh, room of people very nice <laughs> and what do you think your mom told you i mean i guess we talked a little bit about that already but yeah 
Um, she taught me how to like, I mean, yeah, like my whole work ethic is from her, right? Like she taught me how to work hard, um, almost to the detriment of myself, right? Like, you know, now I've done years of therapy and I'm a coach. And so like, I'm fully, like, I fully endorse people resting, you know, that is also being productive. Um, but there's that voice in my head sometimes when I'm like, okay, I'm trying to rest. Like I'm trying to like get my energy, um, so that I can like do more later. Uh, there's definitely that voice in my head. That's like, Oh no, you can't do that. Lynn, like you're lazy or I'll feel guilty about doing it. Cause I'm like, my mom doesn't rest. Like, why do I rest? Um, so there's a lot of guilt in it. Um, but I mean, that's like, that's just, that's what she taught me, you know, like that's kind of what she did. Uh, and it wasn't, and it wasn't like her telling me like, you need to work hard, um, to, to, you know, to get what I want. It was like, I just by watching her, right. Like just like working so hard, like busting her ass every day. Like, um, and she doesn't trust other people. Like, you know, like she still chops onions and like chops, like all the vegetable, like she does all the prep work. Like this is something that they can totally hire someone to do. My mom, but my mom is like, no, like I'm self-sufficient. I can do this. Like I can still do this. And I have that same mentality. Um, so she kind of taught me like, if I can still, if I have the ability to do it, like to just do it and like to do it myself, because like, that's the best way to like, um, to know that it's going to get done. But again, like it's, it's almost, you know, I'm trying to relearn it so that it's, better for my mental health and for my physical health. Uh, but it's, it's very difficult because like, that's, you know, that's what I grew up with. That's what I grew up seeing and still continue to see Like every time I go home now, I'm just like, mom, like you're, you need to, you need to stop. Like, but anytime she takes a day off, like she'll like injure herself or like get sick or something. It's like, it's almost like her body is like, Oh, you know, here's like some room to breathe. Like, let's like do all of the things that we haven't had time to do because this woman keeps like, you know, being on her feet and stuff. So, um, yeah. So she's kind of taught me how like to what hard work is, um, and what persistence is, um, much to my detriment. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad if you can, um, find more balance and what works for you now, that's so important to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with this capitalistic society, right? Like we're, you know, and like, that's like such a huge difference between um, Germany and Canada uh, is the fact that like in Canada, I mean, it's standard to have what, like 10 vacation days or something. And like, that's normal to have 10. I think 15 is good, you know, and it's just like, wait, what? And while in Germany, I think it, they start at like 24 um, or something like that. And it's just like, you know, like my mom's mentality of like doing work, like it just feeds so well into this like capitalistic structure of like, you need to work, 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 work. Cause like, that's where your value is. That's ah, so, I don't have the word. Um, I recently <laughs> learned that actually, I didn't know that in the, well, it was my, my colleagues in the US who told me they, I think they have 19, days of holidays with our company and they were so happy because for them it's so much mm -hmm. and i was so shocked i was so, especially oh. at the french person where like mm -hmm. you know that they battle to have the five weeks of uh, holidays and like it's like 19 days you think is a lot 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should ask them about their maternity, uh, their maternity leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's like another mind boggler. It's like, what? Like, get six weeks? I think it's six weeks or something. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, how do you live? Like, how do you? Literally. Yeah. It's, I, I don't get it. You don't leave. You produce. You, you're here to serve the system and work. Mm. It's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and do you currently have any female role model? I mean, I would still say my mom, even though she doesn't do everything perfectly. <laughs> like, um, but I think I ad- I admire women who, yeah, because that's something I strive for, right? Like, I strive to have balance in my life. Um, and so anyone who attempts to have balance with like their professional life and their family life um you know their personal relationships like but i can't really think of anyone off the top of my head because it's so freaking difficult for women to do that um also recently like i've just been really in awe of mothers in general like not just my mom but like just mothers in general because i see how freaking hard work it is like I do not want to have children. I do not plan on having children. Um, like, it's not something that I've wanted. Um, but, like, so many of my friends are moms now, and it's such hard work. And the fact that they have to do that, plus have, like, oftentimes a full-time job or even a part-time job, and they have to, like, you know, keep the house in order, and they have to, like, maintain their relationship and have, like, social interactions... I'm just like blown away by that. Like, holy cow, you know? Like, I, so I feel like, yeah, I think women who are, women who generally like take on different roles um, and like, you know, juggling different roles, like, those are my role models. Cause like, holy shit, like, I, I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, I have like a romantic relationship, I have a lot of friendships. Um, you know, I maintain my familial relationships, like, and that is hard, right? Like, that is hard, but, like, and then you throw motherhood into it, and I'm just like, oh, no, like, this is just a reminder of why I don't want to become a mom. Um, yeah, it's so, like, I feel the same way. I don't want children, and part of it is because, like, I already struggle to find time to do everything I want to do. Adding children? Like, yeah. no, never, <laughs> ever in my life. <laughs> and it's like, and it's not like, oh, I have to keep this person alive. It's like, oh, I have to keep this person alive and I have to raise a good person. Yeah. Like, like, that's a lot, right? Like, completely. I struggle to do that with myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's so much. I'm just like, like, before this interview, I went and walked my sister's dog and I was just like, oh my God, like, I need to, I need to get, get this dog going. Like, you know, like, I need to, like, <laughs> I need to get home so I can, you know, be on time. And I was just like, this is just a dog. Like, I could literally pick this dog up and, like, carry her if I needed to. But, like, with a child, like, like, they have a mind of their own, right? Like, it's, oh, my God. I don't know how moms do it. Or dads. I mean, like, let's give credit to dads, too, right? But, holy shit, yeah. Yeah, no, completely. Um, And do you think the lack of uh, representation of women in society had an impact on you? 
for me, it's not just like lack of representation of women. It was also the lack of representation of Asian women. You know, growing up, like not seeing women in senior management roles was one thing. Um, like, you know, you would kind of see like the random, like the very rare uh, women in senior management. Um, but you would like even more rarely see Asian women in um, senior management. And so that wasn't even a thing that I even considered uh, growing up. So that's not really something I don't think that really affected me, especially because like I was never one to like want to climb the career ladder or like, you know, get into senior management myself. Um, where the lack of representation really affected me was like more in my personal life because there was so little representation of women who looked like me um, in like in media, right? Like in like magazine covers or like movie roles or advertisements, you know? Um, so that's where it affected me because it kind of made me feel as if I was invisible. Like, you know, that like I had to be white in order to like have any sort of value for people to actually want to see me and like value me and like deem me worthy. Um, so uh, an example is when um, Netflix came out with a movie a few years ago called uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Uh, it really affected me this movie because this was the first time I saw an Asian American woman, um, an Asian American teen actually, you know, like talk about her high school crushes and like, you know, the story about getting together with one of them. Um, and he happened to be a white guy. Uh, and so that story really affected me because I was just like, oh, fuck, like I've never seen that before. Like I didn't know that it was possible for like an Asian American woman, for a woman who looked like me to actually get the guy. Um, so yeah, so I think, I don't know, like nowadays I think like a lot of companies and like, um, you know, media are making more of an effort to tell stories of everyone, not just like a, a certain demographic. Um, and it really warms my heart to see, but like growing up, like, yeah, like that just wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Um, you know, so growing up, I was very much like, you know, like, oh, I like that guy, but he would never want me. Like, I don't look like anyone else. Why would, you know, why would he uh, be interested in me? Um, and that, you know, like I carried that with me, like as an adult, right? So um, thank God for therapy though. <laughs> like thank God for therapy for like helping me to unpack this um, and for seeing like why I had this like mentality so that's so interesting thank you so much for sharing yeah thank God for therapy <laughs> honestly uh, thank God for like you know like people wanting to progress right like for people pushing for diversity and like you know like these companies and these filmmakers and stuff like wanting to like tell these stories now so I mean, it's still not as frequent as, as it could be, especially in Europe. Um, but yeah, baby steps, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'd like to jump on kind of the second part of this podcast and um, hear about a project or life achievement that you have, that you're proud of, and that you would like to talk about. Can you tell us like a bit what you want to talk about and like present what the project is? Sure. Um... So I mentioned that I'm self-employed. Um, I guess that's kind of like my project at the moment. Um, about four years ago, I quit my job. Um, so I had a very, very stable job um, at a bank uh, in Germany. And 
after four years of working there, I was just like, ooh, I can't do this anymore. Like, I woke up one day and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I was really lacking in meaning um, in my day-to-day life. Um, you know, I was waking up in the mornings, going to work, coming home at night, and really did not feel fulfilled. Um, you know, I was like a risk manager and I was like running reports every day or every month actually submitting it to like the European Central Bank and like, you know, working with the team and, and it was, and like I was a team lead, like it was just like, why am I doing this? Like, I just was like, I can't do this anymore. And I decided to quit. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, like, where are you going after? And I was just like, I don't know. And like, a lot of people were like, oh, like, that's very, that's very courageous of you to not know what your next step is. And I was just, and I just, I like, there was a part of me that was very much like, um, I need to get out of this situation so that I can think, I can, so that I can breathe, so I can, um, you know, make the next move that makes sense for me and not what other people are expecting of me. Um, so I was really proud of that in that, like, I was doing something that was not ordinary. You know, I think a lot of people, and myself included, right? Like, we want to be safe. We want to feel secure. We want to, like, have, like, financial stability. Um, and thankfully, like, I was able to be in a position where I could take that, that time off um, to really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and so now, you know, as a self-employed person, I've, like, really found my way like I've like found meaning so I work a lot with people who are struggling with being in ruts who are stuck who want more but don't know how to achieve it um so I started my company um it's called Bonafide Life Coaching and I named it Bonafide Life because I really wanted to help people figure out what was authentic to them you know, we're so busy trying to achieve the next milestone, right? Like, you know, once we graduate from university, you know, we have to get a good job and then getting the good job leads to like, oh, you should have a partner. So you should find a partner. And then when you have a partner, you get married and have kids and buy a house. And, you know, it's like this like whole roadmap that is set out for us. Um, And very rarely do people stop and think, is this what I want? does this suit me? You know, um, does this make me happy? I think a lot of times people are like on autopilot. They just do what is expected of them. And I want to help break that. And this is what I'm super proud of, that I am able to help facilitate this, to like have these conversations and to hold space for people. Um, And part of my, part of what I do too is like around intuitive eating. Um, and it, I feel like it fits really well because, um, intuitive eating is really about listening to your body and what your body needs, right? Like, um, a lot of us are brought up with the idea of like looking a certain way of being a certain size, you know, wearing certain things, um, in order to be respectable and worthy. Um, and like, you know, the diet culture like plays heavily into that. Um, and so people are constantly looking outside of themselves to validate them, you know, like, what, what do I weigh? Like, how many macros did I eat today or calories or, you know, like, like, oh my God, like what time did I eat? What time should I stop eating? Like, you know, it's all of these things that are external. Um, And so intuitive eating is really just bringing things back to bringing, like highlighting what is 
going on inside of us. And it fits really nicely with the transformational coaching that I do because it's really focusing on what you want. So if you can't even identify something as elemental as hunger, like that is something that we are all born with, like, you know, identifying hunger. If we can't even identify that, like how are we expected to actually be able to decide what we want to do for our life, right? So um, that's that's something that I'm really, really proud of myself for doing, um, to like breaking away, number one, from corporate life and what was safe and what was expected of me, but then also going like the extra step of actually helping people figure out what they want. Um, yeah, that's what I'm proud of. Yeah, that's like so much to be proud of that's super cool yeah and how was there between the first time that you thought about it and then the first steps that you took no so when i quit my job i actually had absolutely zero idea of what i wanted to do i just knew that what i was doing was not it i was just like nope this isn't it i i can't take this anymore Um, so I'm just going to take the time and like figure it out. And I actually went to, I went through another job. Um, I became a project manager for an IT consulting company, um, very briefly, uh, cause I thought, oh, like I can do project management. Like, you know, like I have good communication skills. I'm organized. Like I can totally do this. And it ended up becoming something completely different from what I expected. Um, so, you know, there was like some exploration in there as well. Um, you know, like I see things happening as an opportunity to learn more about myself. Um, and so even though the project management position didn't work out the way I'd expected it, like, you know, I could take that opportunity and, and look at it and be like, okay, what did I learn from this? What do I actually like from this, you know? Um, and what it came down to was like, oh, I actually really like interacting with people. And I've always known this about myself, um, but I didn't know how I could do more of it. And uh, you know, when I first quit my job at the bank, like I had a panic attack and I was just like, oh crap, like I'm, I'm kind of in trouble. Like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm a little bit directionless. I need help. And that's when I started doing therapy. Um, and that's where I, you know, started really learning about myself. Right. Um, and through therapy, I realized like, oh, this is, this is the kind of work that I want to do. Like, I want to help people figure them, themselves out. Um, I want to help people learn more about themselves. Um, like it's such a powerful thing to be able to do. Right. Um, so I wanted more of it. And, and so that's when I got into coaching, um, and I trained as a coach. Um, I decided to train as a coach after my project management role ended. And coincidentally, it was at the same time that, um, that lockdown started. So like, so I was able to like, just like fully just throw myself into, into coaching, um, and like realizing like, oh yeah, this is totally what I want. So cool. That's so brave to quit a job and yeah, not knowing what's next. Yeah. yeah, you still need to pay your rent, unfortunately. And yeah, that's super brave. So happy for you. And how did you do it? Looking back, I think part of building my practice was being absolutely ignorant of what was needed. Um, and I and I say that because like I look back and I just remember being like I just remember the optimistic like happy-go-lucky, like I still am these things, but like I just had zero idea of what was needed to be an entrepreneur, a small business owner, right? Like <clears throat> before I started, like I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my coaching training. I'm gonna become a coach. I'm gonna pass my, um, the requirements and then I'm gonna have a successful business. And so these were the four steps that I needed to like have my practice. 
and it wasn't until I actually started doing it, like when I like, you know, got to the point where I was like, okay, time to have a successful practice. And then I was just like, oh shit, like there's so many things I need to, to do. I didn't consider any of these things. I didn't consider that I have to do some marketing. I didn't consider that I kind of like have to do like that. I definitely have to do sales. You know, how do I generate leads? How do I, um, you know, build a website? Like all of these things, like I just kind of like blissfully did not know I had to do. So I kind of went into it like just blind. Like I just didn't, I just had no idea. <laughs> and so I've just kind of been doing it step by step. Like, because um, I really think that if I did know, like I think that would have stopped me. Like I feel like if I knew all of the things that building your own business entailed, I feel like that would have overwhelmed me and that would have just like I would have probably talked myself out of it. So I'm kind of I'm happy that I I have this it's like it's like moving to Germany, right? Like I was just like, oh, I have this visa. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go and do it. Um, and that's the same mentality that I had with my business. I was just like, I'm just going to have a successful business. And then it's like, oh, but I have to do all of these things. Like, how am I going to get clients? Oh, I guess I need to learn how to generate leads. I think that's just generally how I approach things. I kind of don't know all of the details to things. Like I kind of just like gloss over all the details and then I just throw myself into it. So it's like, it's like when I moved to Germany when I was just, um, you know, I had a visa and I decided to move there. The idea was to move there for, uh, move there for a year, figure out my job situation when I got there, you know, figure out the friend situation when I got there, just do everything as I go along. Um, and so that's, kind of that's the mentality that I that I usually bring to everything I do including building my own business um, just like having to learn things as I go along um, I'm not really one to have like a plan because I feel like plans you can spend all the time in the world on a plan and make it as meticulous as you want but things will always happen in life that will kind of like distract you or like force you off onto like a detour so for me, I'm kind of like, ah, eh, I'll just figure it out as I go. <laughs> this is so true. Um, yeah, it's always like everything is happening. <laughs> yeah, and you can't expect things, right? And like, yeah. and then like, you know, like I mentioned, like everything I do is an opportunity to learn about myself. And so if I plan for stuff, you know, down to the finest detail, like it kind of doesn't allow me to like breathe and reflect on like, what I've done or how far I've come and like how I can change things, you know? Um, but that's just me. Like, I, I feel like I have a lot of friends who are planners and, you know, totally think that I'm absolute bonkers for working the way I do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, and yeah, you, you mentioned all the things that you had to do and that sounds like you had so much to do. Was there anyone who helped you or who had an impact on all of these projects? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I could not do this alone. Um, definitely, like, on a personal level, like, just having friends and family, like, know what I'm doing, like, just to have their support, like, like that was super helpful. Um, also, having coaches, like, having my own coaches you know, like set goals for myself or um, there were a couple of like group coaching programs that I was on that really like helped me become clear on who I wanted to work with, um, you know, to be clear on like the inner voices in my head that were going to stop me from doing the things that I wanted to do to tell me that I wasn't good enough or tell me that I was going to fail, like to be really 
really uh, aware of those characters. Um, so like coaches, friends, also I have an accountability partner. I've had an accountability partner, I think since like April of last year, um, we meet once a week uh, to talk about, you know, our wins, like what did we do during the week that we, that we're really proud of, but also like, what can we do or what will we do, um, in the next week? And then we check in the following week and like do the same thing all over again. And like, that's been really helpful, you know, to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this, um, and then have someone be like, okay, did you do it? You know, like I work really, really well with accountability partners. Um, this one in particular, she's in the same position that I'm in. Like, you know, we were in the same coaching cohort. And so, and we like started building our company, uh, you know, at the same time. And so like, we both understand what the other is going through and we can kind of like encourage each other and like, you know, like question each other when the, when it's necessary. So that's been really helpful um, in building my business. Um, and, you know, being, being, a small business owner like I'm literally the only person in my business so it like it starts with me but it also stops with me um, it can be very lonely right so uh, it's vital for me to be able to reach out to people um, to my network of friends and colleagues and um, and people who have done this before you know I can go to them for advice having a supervisor um, is super important you know someone that I can like go to like to talk about difficult cases or even like, how did you build your business? Like, what can I do here? Um, it's having those conversations and being open to feedback. You know, like I cannot do this by myself. I think, I think there was a period in my life when I was like, you know, super quote unquote independent and I didn't need anyone. And, um, and you know, I had this idea that like, you know, if I opened myself up, people would just disappoint me. Um, but, I'm happy to say that I've moved past that and you know it's a lot easier to be able to share this um, with other people so uh, definitely and also my parents like my parents are freaking cool like I thought that they would freak out about me not having a full-time job um, you know not working at a bank anymore not having security but they've been super supportive um, you know telling me that like if I needed any sort of help like let them know um, and it's yeah it's really awesome that's so good. It sounds like you have a very strong and uh, important support system. Just so great and important. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. And mm. what challenges have you faced? I mean, there's so many. Like, from the voices in my head telling me, like, are you sure you want to do this? But then having that offset with, like, oh, no, this is my purpose. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is how I'm going to help change the world. Like, it helps balance that out. Um, but you know, sometimes that little voice, like that's, that's a challenge sometimes when that voice is like, Ooh, you're being lazy. Like you're not doing enough, you know, um, that tries to like drag me down. Um, that's a challenge, um, from the business aspect of it, like, like getting clients. Like I remember when I, like, you know, at my last job, I told, um, one of my colleagues, I was like, yeah, I'm going to like start my own coaching practice. And he was like, okay, so how are you going to have clients? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to like post on Facebook and Instagram. And I was, you know, like, and looking back, I was like, oh shit, like that was basic way of thinking. Like, I just thought I could just post on Instagram and people would want to come and work with me um, and, you know, spend um, hundreds of, of euros, you know, possibly thousands of euros, like investing in themselves. Um, and it's not so easy, right? Like, so from the business aspect of it, you know, 
there's a lot more that goes into marketing and getting clients than just a simple post on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so that's that's something that I like that I've had to learn. Um, what other challenges have there been? I mean, when you start out with a company, like the financial challenges of it, um, that's another thing. You know, the lure of getting a full-time job to like offset, like to pay those expenses is, is, you know, pretty strong. But I'm happy to say that I still, like I'm just like chipping away at it, right? Like it's, it's uh, kind of identifying those challenges and then just like how can I slowly get to where I want to go? So in terms of like, you know, getting clients, for example, it's like having conversations. It's just like having, it's just a conversation at a time, right? Like it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's building these relationships. Um, and so I'm at the point where I feel like as long as I'm doing something, push the needle forward, as long as I'm, um, you know, um, progressing in some way, like I'm happy because um, I fully recognize that yeah, this doesn't happen overnight. Like I, before I started, you know, people were like, oh, it's going to take you at least a couple of years to build your business. And I was just like, mm, no, just watch me. I'm Lynn. I can do this. It's going to be like so easy. Um, and, you know, having to eat some humble pie to be able to acknowledge that, hey, like, like I actually need to put in work um, and it's and it's baby steps. So good to hear that you're doing the work and it sounds like you're overcoming all these challenges. And was there anything that was easier than you thought it would have been? The coaching, like the, the actual coaching itself was easier. Like I remember going into my first uh, lesson uh, or like training session and I was just like, fuck, like, I really hope I don't fuck anyone up. Like, I just don't want to fuck anyone up. <laughs> like that was my, that was my like Fair number enough. one, like, goal. yeah, like I just didn't want to mess anyone up. Like I didn't want to make them worse than what they, you know, than when they came, started coming to me. Um, but for me, like that, that's the easy part. Like, that's the part that I love. Like, that's the, like, you know, having those conversations and creating that space for people like that, that's, that's why I keep doing what I do. Like, th this is why I keep chipping away. Like, even with the challenges, you know, even with like, um, you know, the uncertainty, uh, of like, you know, having a small business, like, this is why I keep doing it because the coaching part is the easy part for me. This is so cool. Um, I think I'm done with my questions. So we're going to come to the conclusion of this episode. Before that, is there, like, where can uh, anyone who's listening find uh, information if they want to have you as a coach? Ah, okay. So you can find me on my website. So my website, it's a long one, is bonafidelifecoaching.com. My Instagram is at bona.fide.life. Um, and I believe I'm also on TikTok and on Facebook. Um, but perhaps I can send you that information and you can include it in the comments. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I also do, I've started doing um, uh, something called the body beautiful circle. So that's like once a month, it's like the third Sunday of every month. Um, and it's a small intimate group online um, that I, you know, that come together and we celebrate our bodies and we celebrate um, ourselves. And, uh, you know, while talking about our challenges that we have like around food, 
um, and our bodies. So that's something else that people can um, check me out on. Um, but yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing a part of your story and, and your time with me and any, everyone who's uh, listening. Is there anything that we haven't talked about during uh, our discussion and that you'd like to mention now? I think we've covered everything. I think I kind of ramble on a lot. So I'm sure like, there's like stuff that came up naturally. So, um, but for now, I don't think there's anything that I would want to bring up. I think everything's been covered. Thank you. Perfect. Then uh, thank you so much again for your time and sharing uh, here with me. And as always, in this podcast, the guest gets the very last word, so the mic is yours. Yeah, I just want to tell everyone to um, be themselves. Be yourself. Um, you are enough. You are not too much. You are loved. You are seen. Um, just be yourself. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>